0: this week on Missions Today. Particularly during the pandemic, I mean, our our digital use just went right through the ceiling. We're on the ground. In India, there are almost 11,000 what we call radio homes. And it's it's listeners who get together and they spend time in the scriptures. They're doing basic follow-up to people who have met the Lord through media. So that happens not just in India, it happens elsewhere in the world but our goal is to proclaim the good news of jesus christ to the whole world by mass media so that lasting fruit is produced
1: fruit the evidence that a person is growing in their faith hi i'm colin lambert and this is missions today from resource global and happy new year imagine having the potential to reach over half the world's population every day That is what happens around the clock and around the globe each day through the work and mission of TWR Trans World Radio. Our guest this week, Lauren Libby, is the president and CEO of TWR, and he brings powerful leadership to this team of dedicated workers. But it didn't start out that way. In fact, Lauren began his journey on a farm in Kansas, playing with electronics and radios. But it's obvious from the story you'll hear today that God's hand was providing direction and guidance to him all along the way. Lauren, thanks so much for being with us on missions today. Why don't you tell us about those early days? Well, I was born at an early
0: age uh, in <laughs> Kansas. Grew up on a little a cattle farm in Kansas, and we raised uh, crops in Kansas. And so, you know, growing up in that environment, it was a uh, responsibility-centered type of a life. And you know you got up early in the morning you worked like a night and so it certain builds a certain work ethic in along the way I was always interested in uh, electronics and I was very interested in uh, particularly radio I even put a little pirate radio station on the air early in life when I was about 10 years old and The FCC in Kansas City called because somebody had called them about I was interfering with farm markets on a station they listened to, and so they said, you know, it's illegal to do that, and we put people in jail for putting on illegal radio stations. And so this engineer, after putting the fear of God in me, said, you need to get yourself a ham radio license, and you'd have a whole lot more fun, and you'd hear from me a whole lot less. So that's how I got involved in, uh, in broadcasting at an early age and interested in electronics. And, and then from one thing to another, I uh, became a believer when I went to Kansas State University. I was dating someone in a sorority, and she was in a Bible study and liked it. And that's how I ultimately became a believer. Got involved in an organization called The Navigators at Kansas State. And it was interesting to see how God used that. Graduated from Kansas State, went to Chicago, worked on the Chicago Mercantile, Chicago Board of Trade, forecasting commodity future prices, soybean futures, cattle futures, hog futures, that sort of thing. And from there, went to Colorado Springs, worked part-time for a radio station in the Chicago area, and then moved to Colorado Springs and uh, became the assistant to the president, the international president of the Navigators. And that's how I got involved in international missions work. Uh,
1: Let's talk about those radio days for a moment. Uh, Obviously, you ended back up in radio, not on the air per se, uh, occasionally, I guess, but uh, running an organization that's focused on radio, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, did you always have a love for radio? Did that maintain throughout your life?
0: Well, it's always been an interest. when I was in high school and, and uh, uh, into early college, I worked on the air, uh, did farm markets at Kansas State University, and then went out to uh, small market radio stations. And an owner of, that had seven radio stations would kind of plug me in wherever, you know, over spring break or Christmas break, I'd go sell or I'd be on the air or do something. And, and so he basically uh, involved me in the whole business of radio. And that was an interesting time. I'm eternally indebted to him. I'm not sure he's a believer in Jesus yet, but we always, we've always we had some very interesting conversations over the years, and, and he was a real mentor. But not just radio, but media. In The Navigators, I was involved in uh, publishing, involved in video, and various uh, types of media. In my current work, I mean, we're involved in video, we're involved in podcasting, we're involved in... Uh, translation and production uh, on the air, online, and on the ground. So it's it's an interesting mix. And you begin to look at your background, you say, well, how'd God prepare you for this? And you begin to see, oh, that's why this happened, and that's why this happened, and that's why that happened.
1: Did you feel like, as you uh, started your faith journey, did you feel ever like missions or missional work or church-type work was going to be what you were involved with? I mean, you said you headed to the uh, Chicago area and were doing uh, commodities uh, trading and conversations, those kinds of things. Uh, Was missions or missional work ever uh, in your mind at that point?
0: Well, it was, but it wasn't international. I remember We had a number of of, uh, bankers, lawyers, realtors. We'd get together over the noon hour and rent a space at a restaurant in the Loop in Chicago, and we had a Bible study. Over about a three-year time period, almost 20 men came to know Christ. And here I am, a 21-year-old single guy uh, involved with 38, 48, 58-year-old people. It got kind of interesting because um, they would become a believer and go home and tell their wife, and their wife thought they'd gone off the deep end and then how do you help that person grow in their faith? And so, ultimately, uh, my wife, June, would go out with me when we were both single, and we would spend time with a couple, and that led to a uh, to a friendship and ultimately uh, getting married. But, you know, yes, I've always been involved, because when Jesus said, you know, make disciples of all nations, you know, that starts right where we are. It starts next door. And then, You know, it goes beyond that, and then sooner or later, I think God broadens our vision to the place where it's not just our state, and it's not just the United States, but it's it's the whole world, and that's God's vision, is a target of reconciliation for the whole world.
1: Let's talk for a moment about uh, your move to the Navigators. Uh, How did you first get involved with them, and what do you feel like were kind of a couple of big takeaways from your time with Navigators?
0: Well, I am really indebted to the Lord for bringing me around the Navigators, because they're very big on personal discipleship. And I'd, I'd become a believer in Jesus Christ, and I really, I mean, as a brand new believer, you don't know up from down. And so what does all this mean? And I'll never forget, I think word kind of filtered out. I'd been running for student body president at Kansas State, and word filtered out that Libby had become a believer. And One day I got a phone call from a guy. He said, you know, just wondering if you'd be willing to meet with me at 6.30 in the morning and bring your Bible. Well, to be honest with you, as a college student in a fraternity, I hadn't gotten up at 6.30 in the morning for years. So I got up and dusted off a Bible, and we went out to a uh, hill, and he said, now let's have a quiet time. And I thought he was meaning that we just be quiet. And so he said, well, why don't you open up your Bible to Psalms 1? And then he said, well, we read down through this. And so I read through it and he said, well, what do you think, if God was sitting here speaking to you, what, uh, what do you think God would be saying? So I just made some observations and he said, well, why don't you talk back to God about those observations? And he said, you know, it's a relationship. He spent a year and a half with me before I moved to Chicago and literally it was monkey see, monkey do in terms of how in the world do you grow practically in your Christian life? How do you develop that relationship with Jesus? How do you deepen it? What does that mean? You know, I'd read through the Bible, and I was amazed how practical. I mean, there wasn't an issue that I was dealing with that he couldn't point to the scriptures and say, you know, this is how God feels about this so i am indebted to this gentleman by the name of dave gross who currently lives in kansas city for investing a year and a half of his life in me as a brand new believer and sort of letting all of that just practical spiritual help rub off on me and i'm sure today i would not be in the uh having a relationship with Jesus if Dave hadn't spent that time with me.
1: That's powerful. Uh, talk a moment about your transition to navigators and and a couple of takeaways from there.
0: Well, I was working minding my own business in Chicago and going into the loop every day and I got a phone call from the regional director of the navigators and and Dave Gross, this guy who helped me, had been a navigator staff person. and so uh, I met several navigator staff people who lived in the uh, Chicago area. and one day I got a phone call saying, you know, the international president of the Navigators is looking for an assistant, and would you be willing to uh, raise financial support and move to Colorado Springs? Well, here I am in a pretty secure position. So I ended up saying no about three times, and then finally on the fourth inquiry, I thought, well, I better go out and pray about this. It was kind of interesting. It's uh, from First Kings, where Elijah and Elisha, you remember the relationship and, you know, how—, how Elisha ties up with uh, Elijah, and the Lord just led me to say, "Okay, let's give it a give it a shot." So I called and said I uh, I'd be willing to do that. Resigned my position in Chicago. The budget was five hundred dollars a month. Went out, and uh, the Lord provided five hundred dollars a month. I tied my mattress on top of my car. Moved to Colorado Springs. Walked up the driveway of Lauren Sanny, who was the international president of the Navigators, and said, you don't know me. I'm Lauren Libby, but I'm your new assistant. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, well, he said, you know, I kind of got a headache. Get in the car. Let's go down. I'm going to get a, go down and get some uh, Tylenol. That was the beginning of our relationship. And I have to tell you, everything that I do today is a result of my time with Warren and Lucy Sanny. They were probably as close to me as my parents. And it was just amazing to watch them in their walk with the Lord. To give you an idea, I remember I walked in one day into the, into the house where they lived, and Lucy was having a conversation, and I looked around the corner, and no one was there. She was sitting there talking to the Lord. And so you get around people like that, and you begin to see how, how God is leading this couple through the Scriptures. And this guy who's leading an international ministry and I remember after I came to Trans World Radio and we had our first meeting, I was sitting there and I thought, you know, the issues have not changed. The international issues of mission are pretty much the same no matter what the application. But I was eternally grateful to just take notes in meetings and see how the dynamics of how things operate. And God used that in, a, in an unusual way. I, there have been about four or five, I would call, significant mentors in my life, and Lauren and Lucy Sane. Uh, were two of those very significant mentors.
1: Tell us a little bit about Transworld Radio and how you got there.
0: We we were going through a leadership change in the Navigators, uh, our United States president. At the time, I was the chief operating officer for the U.S. Navigators. And our president had retired, and we were looking for a new president. And, you know, I looked at the White House, and I thought, well, all the staff sort of submit their resignation when there's a change in leadership. And so I just submitted my resignation. I thought, you know, we'll just see what the Lord does. I had been involved in Christian broadcasting because we'd put a radio station on the air in Colorado Springs, which kind of morphed to about 48 of them across Colorado. And some people knew that. That's what opened the door at Transworld Radio. I came out and spent time with the international leaders and was absolutely intrigued. I mean, the opportunity to have a big voice for Jesus globally, It just, it became infectious. And so June and I prayed about it and we came out here in uh, about the 1st of January, 2008, and it has been an adventure. Absolutely incredible. And when you look at just on the air, if you count all the people under each one of the big transmitters, we have about 23 of those locations around the world. It's almost 4.3 billion people that are within the reach of those transmitters. Now, Somebody said, well, do you have 4.3 billion people listening every day? Well, no. But you take 1% of that, and that's not a bad number. And then we're online, and we see uh, people, particularly during the pandemic, I mean, our, our digital use just went right through the ceiling. We're on the ground. In India, there are almost 11,000 what we call radio homes. And it's, it's listeners who get together, and they spend time in the scriptures. They're doing basic follow-up to people who have met the Lord through media. So that happens not just in India, it happens elsewhere in the world. But our goal is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole world by mass media so that lasting fruit is produced.
1: I know during your time there, Lauren, you all have experienced numerous setbacks. And I mean, in in just circumstances of life, you had a fire. Uh, you talked recently about a problem with a radio station. I know in some areas where you operate, uh, there are issues with government challenges. Uh, talk for a moment about, as a leader of an organization that is reaching out, sharing the good news gospel of Jesus Christ, how do you deal with with some of those incredibly challenging setbacks.
0: Actually, I don't think they've been setbacks. When you look at them and you get beyond them, actually they were opportunities. It is incredible to see how God has taken. You mentioned a fire. June and I had gotten back to Colorado with our son and daughter-in-law. And Got a phone call about 4.30 in the morning from uh, one of the vice presidents of TWR saying, by the way, did you know the building was on fire? So I packed my bag, got back on the airplane, came back to uh, North Carolina, and we began to work through that whole thing. And for about eight months, we worked with putting the building back in order. But you know what? We never skipped a beat. It's incredible. We we had crisis planning. We knew what we were going to do. We moved all of our operations to, we have a lodge on the property. We moved over to the lodge. We actually put people in small spaces in the building once the kind of the smoke had been uh, literally blown out of the building. If you've ever gone through a fire, I mean, it is a, it smells like a giant barbecue for a long, long time. And so with our staff, we worked with it, we went through it, and it was amazing how God uh, used that. Actually, you know, we didn't miss a beat, and God was very faithful. Earlier this year, uh, I was watching the BBC. I watched the BBC because they cover the world, and uh, I occasionally flipped them on in the morning, and I saw some twisted radio towers. They talked about those towers having been blown up, and then there was a mention that was used by a, a group called Transworld Radio. And so, you know, you go, oh, really? And so how do you replace the ability to speak to Ukraine, to speak to Western Russia? And so we, we have several outlets in that area, and we shifted things around, and I think we missed three days of broadcasting. But, you know, those are, those are opportunities. They're not only opportunities, but they're also places where people can get involved. Crisis motivates people. Somebody asked me one time, they said, well, do you ever have a crisis in transworld radio? And I said, well, which one would you like? I used to listen to Lauren Sandy say that the Navigators were disintegrating all the time, and, uh, you know, it was only the Lord that kept them together. Well, I kind of feel that way, you know, in terms of we have a big voice for Jesus, and we need to really utilize that. And it's incredible what God has put under the purveyance of transworld radio. And a tremendous team, a global team of people in Europe, in uh, Camina, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. The people who are involved in leadership there are some of the most equipped, best leaders that I've ever worked with in my life. And it is such a privilege. You know, when you, when you hit a crisis, there are several things you need. Number one, you need to have people who don't just fall apart in a crisis, but they're leaders. And God's provided those people. As we move out into the future, into new areas, in fact, we're looking at doubling our coverage area over the next uh, five, ten years. And the number of people who listen, you know, you don't do that. You don't get on a playing field without a team. And that's one of the privileges I have is to be able to work with a team at Transworld Radio.
1: You talked about all the different uh, technologies that you all are utilizing, the online, uh, obviously, digital space, uh, videos, Uh, shortwave, FM, uh, all over the world. You're reaching people through different means. Maybe just a story, something you've heard recently of somebody's life that's been changed through your work.
0: Well, let's go to Ukraine. Our staff are producing programming, video, audio, radio, digital programming every night in basements as they're dodging missiles coming in. That's an amazing thing. Our, Our staff never left the country. They stayed because they felt that it was imperative that they bring hope, and particularly hope in Jesus, to a nation that was suffering. And it's not just a nation, but uh, we, we get regular correspondence from soldiers, uh, not just Ukrainian soldiers, but Russian soldiers. Uh, there was one, one story that was told, that was an interesting one, where there was a Russian soldier who was literally lying on the ground. He had lost his life. And he happened to have a digital audio player on his person. A Ukrainian soldier went over, picked up the audio player, began to listen to the programming, and met the Lord. In the midst of a, of a tremendous war-torn situation, God's still using media, he's still using people. A Russian soldier who's probably with the Lord influenced a Ukrainian soldier to, to meet Jesus. And we hear stories like that all the time. I mean, we we hear them back from Asia. We hear them back from from Latin America. I mean, I was in Latin America at our partners conference earlier this year, and I'm amazed at how God is using media. Uh, to give you an idea, in Cuba, we broadcast there from the island of Bonaire. We have a half-million-watt, 450,000-watt AM radio station that covers Cuba at night. And the stories we get back out from pastors, from from other people, a lot of pastors say, hey, listen, unless I can listen, that's where I do my sermon prep. In fact, I was in one situation where the pastor stood up and and it was obvious he listened to Bonaire. He said, now, this is from TWR Bonaire. Listen to the word of the Lord. And I thought, well, you know what? I think we're, we're finally really influencing the body of Christ in Cuba. I bet I could go on, but you know, those are just a, a few examples of what God's doing. And that's why media is so important. It doesn't really matter the channel, it doesn't matter how we get there, but that we
1: keep the name of Jesus in front of people and be a big voice for him in the world. Two final questions for you. You have mentioned several times people that made a huge impact in your life and the the idea of mentors in your own life. Talk for a moment about the importance of of those of us who are more mature in our faith, uh, mentoring those who are up and coming?
0: Well, I think it's absolutely essential because if we don't do that, you know, we're always one generation away from extinction in the body of Christ. And so particularly with leadership, do we invest our lives in leaders? When I came to TWR, I spent about three years getting ready, uh, along with uh, one of our vice presidents by the name of Bronco, and he is a Serbian, and he has four master's degrees and a PhD. And we begin to talk about leader development, how we were going to develop people. And we identified about 40 people in our, our organization and other broadcast ministry organizations that we were going to invite in what we call the Developing Leader Media Community and so for 3 years we would meet every 6 months we would meet in the united states then we met in germany we met in south africa we met the dominican republic and we met in indonesia and this group gelled i mean cross organizations and gelled relationally and what we did is we talked about the character of the leader and we didn't talk a lot about competency but we talked about the software of leadership and we're getting ready now I'm getting ready to talk about the hardware of leadership, particularly we're going to start out with about 14 people, and and we're going to talk about crisis management. How in the world do you handle crisis management in an organization? How in the world do you handle conflict? How do you keep things on mission? Because I look at a lot of missions these days, and and you begin, when you grow cross-generational, you begin to get mission creep. What's mission creep? Well, it's we tack this on, or we tack that on, and Let me give you an example. When there's a crisis in the world, I will guarantee you, it's amazing how many people go into the health and welfare business to be able to uh, raise money. Do we do that, or do we stick right with our calling? And I believe that God gives organizations calling as he gives calling to individuals. And then the question of the individuals and the organizations meshing their calling, and then you have impact. And so how do leaders stay on mission? Those are, those are some things. If we don't develop the next generation of leadership, how in the world do we ever expect to go to the next generation in organizations or our family, for that matter, any group that we're involved with? We need to be, always be thinking and looking looking at the world literally through the eyes of another person.
1: How can uh, our audience pray for you and your team? Well, I think, number one, for courage, that God would
0: give us very clear vision and courage to move forward. I I tell you, courage is a wonderful thing. The other thing I think we could pray for would be Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things coped for and the things of not seen. And then it goes on in Hebrews 11 with the heroes of the faith. Some didn't even see what they were believing God for within their lifetime, but yet God fulfilled promises. And so we have some promises from the Lord we feel that uh, God's given us. And how do we see those promises fulfilled? One of the functions of leadership, and I believe this very firmly, is to take what is on God's heart in the unseen world and translate that into the seen world and for his impact in the physical world. Now, that sound, somebody said, well, that sounds kind of New age No, I don't think so. I think that's very biblical. You go through Hebrews 11 and 12, and that is exactly what's going on there as leaders and as uh, believers who are a little further down the road, you know, it's amazing to see God fulfill promises. I mean, what, what are you believing God for? God is a global God. God is moving and he's looking for faithful people who will take his word, take his promises, go to the world to be a spiritual entrepreneur. What a great privilege.
1: Taking his word and his light to the world. It's happening each day at TWR, and lives are being impacted for eternity. If you'd like more information about Lauren or TWR, we'll link you in today's podcast notes. Now, a quick side note on a big event we hosted back in November, you might remember, called the Global Church Forum. The GCF was a gathering of difference makers from all around the globe, sharing about what God has done in their lives and those around them through engaging life with kingdom entrepreneurial thinking. Learn more about that and in these incredible stories in one or more of the sessions. You can access them now online on our homepage at missionstoday.com. That's missionstoday.com. Go check it out. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to continue to learn more of how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his glory. It's so helpful to us as you subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with others. If you have feedback from me, write me at clambert at missionstoday.com. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.